The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. I get asked a lot, what's Aries? We're going to talk about it this time, as well as comstogo.com. It's all right here on the next episode of Ham Radio 360 Podcast. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast, with your host, Kale Nelson. K4CDN. Yeah, so welcome back in to Ham Radio 360 Podcast. Really appreciate you stopping by, giving us some of your time, and we hope that we make very good use of it. Got a really cool show coming up for you today. Uh, I want to talk more, learn more about the Aries Group, that's uh, the Amateur Radio Emergency Services Group. And we're going to catch up in a few minutes with our buddy Cecil Higgins from Episode 1. Yeah, we're going way back, and we're bringing Cecil back with us. To, uh, to learn about all things Aries, as well as we've got a chat with John Jacobs from comstogo.com. Going to be a great show, a lot of fun. And just want to tell you, of course, a reminder, as the uh, emergency helicopter passes overhead, you may or may not hear that, uh, we have some great show sponsors. And comstogo.com is one. Uh, we're going to talk to John here in just a little bit. But uh, our sponsor that's been with us before we had a podcast episode before I ever recorded a show, I called down to Paris, Texas to MTC Radio, main trading company, and said, hey, my name's Kale. I'm going to do a podcast about ham radio. Would love for you guys to come on and, and sponsor it with us. They jumped in the boat, and we've been having a great time ever since. A big shout-out to Christine, to Richard, to Tammy, to Danielle, all of our friends down there who have everything you need for amateur radio. That didn't come out right, but it's amateur radio. And uh, they've got a store full of stuff that you need, like uh, Kenwood gear. If you need something from Kenwood, I, I, I keep telling people they don't really, I guess they don't, maybe they don't not believe me, but maybe they don't really take me serious when I say it. My favorite radio I own right now is a Kenwood single band handy talkie. And, and folks are like, man, that's boring. Well, it is kind of boring, but you know what? It works so well. It's so easy to use. It feels so good in your hand. The power output is perfect. The, the factory rubber duck antenna is, is a perfect match. It's a great radio. It's a THK20 handy talkie from Main Trading Company. I haven't been displeased with a radio, well, besides my TMV71A. We'll talk about it the next time. It's a great radio. Find my friends, mtcradio.com. Let them know that you are interested in some gear, and let them know, of course, that you heard about them here on Ham Radio 360 Podcast. We're recently, well, just found out yesterday that kids are just now finally going back to school on the east coast of North Carolina following Hurricane Matthew. And that's kind of weird because it's been like three weeks that the hurricane came through, and it was a pretty severe hurricane, but it, it wasn't what some people, you know, it's still not in the news, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. And when you have people who are still suffering from flooding and, and power outages, uh, houses and schools ruined, roads underwater three weeks later, it makes it a pretty severe storm. So, uh, as this storm was coming through, I, I kind of wanted to get together with someone to talk about amateur radio for emergency services. And, you know, I was sitting there sitting thinking, you know, where do we go? Where do, who should I call? I called Cecil Higgins. Cecil Higgins was our very first guest on what was then the Photon Podcast. And Cecil came on and he told us all about the, uh, the Joplin tornado disaster in Joplin, Missouri. If you've never listened to episode one, um, 
I encourage you to do so. You know, a lot of people don't encourage you to go that far back in their, their, their library because, well, it may not have been the best produced show. Maybe the audio wasn't that great. Maybe Kel was umming and uh and a little more than he normally does. In any way, you need to go back and listen to it because what the amateur radio operators did during that disaster was phenomenal. What we're going to learn from, from Cecil this time is what they've learned themselves and put into practice since that time. So without further ado, folks, let me welcome in my buddy and your friend, Cecil Higgins from Missouri. Cecil, welcome back in to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. Well, thank you for having me back. I was kind of uh, kind of astonished you asked why. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, folks, if you haven't heard episode number one of the podcast formerly known as Photon Podcast, Cecil Higgins was our very first ever guest, and Cecil is now the the section manager is that what you said you were now yes sir i got elected well i got appointed in january and i ran for election unopposed so i'm elected for the next two years as a section manager for missouri wow section manager for missouri uh of the aries group there in the state and cecil was on with us in episode one talking about the tornado just disaster that plummeled uh the town of joplin back when and we learned a lot about emergency communications, getting on the air during an emergency, what to, what not to do. Uh, Cecil, in that time since then to now, what has uh, Missouri Aries done to even further prepare themselves for a potential storm like Joplin suffered? Oh, well, that's a, that's a large question. Um I tell you, a lot of the stuff that that went on is we we linked several repeaters together through RF interface instead of uh, internet. Uh, those those interfaces are much more reliable, and if we lose one of the repeaters, it doesn't take the whole system down. So we learned we learned that when you tie something together, you better do it where cascade failure can't happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and the biggest thing that's happened besides just Besides just linking everybody together here and the ability to talk completely up and down the state or over into Kansas and Oklahoma, which are our neighbors to the west, um, is our hospitals. Our hospitals always had amateur radio communications available to them. They've always had radios set up and antennas. But what they've done, done actually the most recently is they've linked all the hospitals together in a link. Not just by ra- not just by radio, and what I mean by that is they've worked together to train their own people to man those radios in case in in times of emergency that aren't going to be emergency people they need to to treat injuries for whoever comes into the hospital. So, so, so the, that the, was a- they've taken their personnel and gotten them licensed and prepared on that end of absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, they have. And we've worked real hard with that. I'm real proud of some of the people that uh, have pushed that through that helps the hospital. Some of them help them map out their, their areas. Uh, we've had exercises here in Missouri to um, show our limitations, show our weak spots and fill those in. And uh, we've, we've got a pretty solid system. Uh, our simplex, everybody talks about repeaters. Our simplex is the biggest thing we've done here is to link each hospital and stuff available through Simplex or Relay for Simplex. And the other thing we've done is we've started using 6-meter heavily. Uh, I, I, uh, 
I sponsored an HF net and I sponsored a link repeater net, but the, the net that I'm most proud of, and I'm proud of those, those, those people who run those are great people. The people who check in are great. But the one I'm most proud of is a six meter net that we do. And six meters covers way more than VHF, or which is two meter, mm-hmm. and UHF, which is 70 centimeter. It'll cover farther even on its bad days. They call they call the six meter uh, the magic band because sometimes you can talk to the Philippines and sometimes you you know you can just talk locally on it. Right. So um, we've got that we've got that mapped out. We literally have maps of the terrain and maps of all the dead spots and the places we had to fix them. And we've actually gotten to the point where those dead spots are filled in in a majority of it. Wow. You guys really, so, I mean, y'all, y'all responded in, in tremendous fashion after that storm. And I mean, you live in tornado alley, so you have to be prepared that way. But it sounds like to me, you, you guys as, as state operators, uh, and the emergency responders have really kind of banded together and said, this is, what is it the under armor commercial this is our house i'll protect my house i'll protect it or whatever i mean you guys have gotten extremely serious it sounds like well we had we had to when you lose 162 lives in a tornado you've really you've really got to take a look at at where the failure was on any kind of emergency communications and what i mean by that that tornado it it, it developed on literally on the west side corner southwest corner of the city and grew into a monster in about four blocks. Wow. It went from an EF2 when it touched down to an EF5. So, you know, stuff like that, you can't prepare. You can't be prepared for that. However, what you can prepare for is to make sure you have no communication failure should something like that happen. Here, we're not blessed with, with hurricanes. I don't have to worry about a 600-mile-wide storm right. and communications on that. However, these tornadoes, over the, the last 10 years have grown in intensity in our area. Mm. And Tornado Alley has actually shifted more to the east. It, of course, it still hits Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas. It still tears them up. Right. But we've had a lot more shifting to, to the east here on us. So, you know, we've had to, we've had to put our, our heads together. The nice thing about it is the, the walls came down, the lines in the sand, so to speak, where people say, okay, this is my box, don't play here. Mm-hmm. That's all crashed. It's all come down. It's been great. Everybody's working together. And if one one group doesn't have the equipment to fill in a hole, a lot of the other places that have extra equipment will donate it to them and help them get linked together. That's the kind of community that's been built here in Missouri since that tornado. Well, there's nothing like tragedy and to, to bring I people together. I never saw this coming. Yeah. yeah. Well, who would? I mean, uh, you, you see infighting and bickering uh, in, in every facet of life, but you know, you go back to September 11th, 2001, where you had people standing in a grocery store holding hands, watching things on the monitors on the television because they had no idea what was going on. Tragedy always breeds back to itself a sense of community and Wow, what's uh, what's less tragic than losing 162 people in a fell swoop of a, a thunderstorm? So that's, yeah. that's very and encouraging. You know, you know, and everybody in this country has paid for that tornado. I don't know if they realize it, but the last estimate that I heard 
was over $6 billion had to be spent to restore Joplin. Well, that comes out of all the taxpayers' money. That's FEMA grants. That's everything else. So everyone in this country, whether they realize it or not, have put money to get Joplin back together, just like they do all the other places that have disasters. Right. So it's important that everybody understand how everything works and where that money's going. Now, I will say this. We don't get money from that. But our volunteer time that we have and the things that we do add up to the FEMA part that the city has to pay in matching funds. Mm. They get to count the hours, and they get, I, I believe, and I don't, don't, I don't know exactly, but I believe they get close to $25 an hour for each volunteer hour. That $25 adds up and goes to the matching fund part, so the city isn't really out that money. Right. Because of that, because of that volunteer time. Wow. So, I mean, we, we do, we as areas, we do a, a basically an incredible job in a horrible situation. Uh, I I think there's not an areas group in this country that I, I could say a bad thing about just the fact that they're out there trying. I don't care if they got the least equipment in the world. (laughs) Somebody's out there trying and somebody's answering the phone. Right. Tell me a little bit about some of the equipment. You, you, you mentioned equipment uh, and six meters. Now, that's really exciting. I hear a lot about six meters. Um, are you guys using six meters sideband? Are you using a, a FM? How are you using six meters to work these uh, connections out? Well, we actually go straight FM. Okay. And the reason, reason being, all the repeaters in the area, and there are several six-meter repeaters in the state, they're capable of FM, but they're not capable of sideband. So we go strictly FM, and then we use FM on our um, – oh, I lost my word here. Anyway, we, 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 use, we use that 6-meter on simplex as well okay. on FM. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes plenty of sense to me. Um, I, just being a, being a geek here, are you using directionals or omnidirectional antennas, or is it just whatever – you need for that situation yes (laughs) (laughs) yes we are using all that so excellent the best answer i can give you yeah absolutely well you know i've got a couple of six meter handy talkies which is kind of funny uh it's the only six meter capacity or capabilities i have are two of the ocean handy talkies the two meter six meters uh i've yet to make a contact with them although i can almost get into a local semi-local repeater which is way off in the mountains but uh, it, it's a it's a very intriguing band, and out of all my buddies, I'm one of the only ones who doesn't have six meters. Uh, my HF rigs are just that sh- that dates my HF rigs. You know, they didn't put it in the <laughs> HF rigs back in the '90s when my rigs were made. So, uh, <clears throat> but that's really exciting to see that you guys have. I mean, well, here's the thing: we hear all the time uh, it's going to be near vertical instant sky wave. It's going to be you know two meters. FM uh, directional simplex stuff, but uh, as we've seen and we've talked through some of these disasters here on the show, uh, you use what works for where you are, and it may be different for the guys in Arizona versus you guys in Missouri versus the guys in Florida or Maine. It just it's all terrain dependent, and it's also uh, dependent on what you have at your disposal. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, uh, we have a diverse. Uh, topographic area in our, for our state the southern part has got some very deep canyons and very deep 
uh, very, very high ridges and stuff. Obviously, they're not mountains like you see east and west. Mm-hmm. However, they call them the Ozark Mountains. And I tell you what, if you ever walk down in those things, you swear you climb the mountain. <laughs> You'll prove it, you know. But, uh, you know, we have that kind of terrain, and we go over to the west, and it starts to flatten out a bit. We go north, it flattens out. We come up, we go up to Springfield, and then we have the uh, plateau there, and then it starts going back downhill toward Jefferson City and up toward the northern part of the state. A lot more dirt, less rock. So, you know, it's all going to affect every, every, everybody's communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your ability to, to go site to site, which is simplex, is much greater over flat terrain than you can with a ridge sticking between you. Right. So you got to have some way to get over that over that ridge. So yeah, we have to we have to analyze if we're, if not having a better word, we have to analyze our topo map to see where our communications is going and where it's not. We build the, we build a a broadcast map shows what it is, how we can plug some holes, or if we can't plug a hole find where we have to go to get that communication into that blackout area. And we just simply do what we can with what we got. It, it truly is that simple. Well, you know, it kind of it reminds me back, harking back to our initial conversation way back on episode one, where we talked about you guys lost a repeater and you found a dead spot. And it just so happened that in that dead spot, there was, uh, by, by providence, I'm con- I'm just convinced that there was a, a VHF antenna waiting for someone to connect their repeater to right there, elevated and not damaged by the storm. So I guess what I'm saying is you find what you have to have to complete what you're trying to complete. Well, you're right there. We had a 700-foot tower that everything around it was demolished, but this tower and this spine antenna are sticking up there like brand-new radials. So, uh, yeah, and it did, fill the, it did fill the spot. And then, fortunately, it was, the spot was a horrible spot. So it was the one where the, uh, the old St. John's Hospital, which was a six-story building, had been reduced to five stories. The sixth story had been removed, which mm. is where our repeater was. So, you know, that whole that whole bowl in that disaster zone was basically communications blackout. Right. And uh, so being we tested we tested the, uh, the antenna and the coax and could not believe that it checked fine. The owner gave us permission. And Chris Wilson, who is now uh, the vice president for Yesu for amateur radio equipment, uh, had actually had to plug in repeater. And we, he said, here, it's ready to go. Let's, you know, let's put it where you need it. So we went over and hooked it up. And, and uh, we were not only able to communicate through the entire disaster zone, we were able to communicate well outside of the debris zone, wow. which it got strewn three miles out past the city. So, you know, that one gift of a, of a mobile repeater which is uh, very much <laughs> was very much appreciated. You know, it, it saved a lot of lives. It did, and uh, you know, you look back to the question you asked me earlier. That's another thing that we've all been doing here too is adding emergency mobile repeaters to vans and and trailers, communication trailers, so we can go plug and play. Where we've gotten uh, up to fifty five foot telescopic antennas. Antennas are already mounted. The the telescoping pole will go up, and we're in business. Fantastic. I mean, we have you know it, it's hard to say everything we've done, 
But, you know, as we speak on this, I, some things come to mind. So Yeah, yeah. Guys, we're going to continue here with Cecil Higgins. He is the section manager for the state of Missouri for Aries, and he's also former guest here from Episode 1, way back when it was faux time. We'll be back with Cecil in just a minute. Stick around. Hi, Dan, KB6NU here. Whether you're studying for your tech license or looking to upgrade to general or extra, you should check out my no-nonsense amateur radio license study guides. Written in my easy-to-understand, no-nonsense style, they really are the easiest way to learn what you need to know to pass the test. And they are always up to date. The PDF version of the Technician Class Study Guide is free on my website at kb6nu.com podcast. And all my study guides are available in print, PDF, Kindle, and EPUB versions. Let me help you have more fun with ham radio. Go to kb6nu.com podcast and get started today. We're back with Cecil Higgins. He is the section manager from Missouri State Aries Group. And Cecil, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to try to guess it here. Alpha G- Alpha Charlie Zero Hotel Alpha. Is that your call? Is that right? It is. Yes, sir. Okay. Alpha Charlie Zero Hotel Alpha. I don't know why I stumble over that one, but I can't say George's last name either. So (laughs) (laughs) this is one of those blocks I've got up there, but I'm glad I could remember. I don't have it written down. I meant to write it down before we started, but, uh, that's one of those. I don't, you just don't hear a whole lot of alpha Charlie's and you know, that that one kind of stuck with me for whatever reason, (laughs) you know, we have these conversations and there's a lot of talk about amateur radio and emergency response and we we talk about uh storms and hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes uh george out on the west the the west coast you know his his entire uh network is set up to be shared in case of an emergency with an earthquake we just had hurricane matthew uh skirt the coast of florida entered south carolina made a big mess in north carolina and kind of went off and fizzled out but uh here in this in this state we have a really big uh microwave linked um, DMR system as well as UHF and VHF all over the state. Uh, I spent a lot of time monitoring that through the hurricane. It was very interesting to listen to. Um, and a lot of those guys, most of those folks were Aries members. Uh, I am not a member of Aries and I haven't necessarily spent any time investigating Aries since the last time you and I talked. So can you explain to me and the listener um, what Aries is in uh, however you'd like to present it, we'll, we'll take it. I'm just curious as to uh, to get a good definition on it. Okay. Well, ARIES is the acronym for Amateur Radio Emergency Services. Okay. And what those services do is they provide communications to any local, state, or federal government that's coming in into a disaster. They also provide communications for like the MS bike rides or the public events, kind of like the Boston Marathon. Uh, there was ham radio there. Um, so there's, there's several different uses for, for Aries. And, you know, they're really great people. They love to get involved. They love to get out there and provide communications for stuff. Their primary mission is to provide communications in times of need. So whatever that need turns out to be, uh, mostly in a disasters, uh, we, you know, when we were down there in Joppa, and I'll use it again for an example, we served 
the Salvation Army, the Red Cross, the Jasper County Emergency Ops Center, which is where Joplin's at, and the tornado actually, the south part of Joplin, and the tornado went through, also enters Newton County. So we served Newton County Emergency Operations Center. We served all the search and rescue teams on all the dog teams. And we had uh, operators serving the hospitals. So there's a variety of different services there that can be done. And, I, and the big thing I hear people say is, well, you know, I can't, I can't go walking around, you know, with them young people anymore and stuff like that. Well, that's fine. You know, to be honest with you, I can't either. <laughs> but I tell you what I can do. I can sit down at a desk and I can run a radio. And I can log calls and stuff. So, so age, if you want to volunteer, age has nothing to do with it. They have a place to put you. So, you know, don't think you have to be crawling over the rubble or running with a dog team or a cert team or a Salvation Army. You don't have to do that. You know, I hear one of the, one of the complaints I hear about any of these groups is the bureaucracy, red tape. Uh, uh, for instance, local club here in town used to be the Aries group, and and this was before my time, and I'll probably get something wrong in this explanation, but here's how I understand it. Uh, Aries must have kind of changed up in some fashion, and they came to the local club and said, hey, thanks for your help all these years. We want to continue to get you to help us, but we're going to need your fingerprints. We're going to need a background check to the FBI, and we need you to take all these uh, these FEMA courses. And for whatever reason, that didn't sit well with the people who had been involved up until that point, and it kind of splintered off some. And and I'm a member of the local club. I'm not uh, active, if, if that's what you'd call it, nor am I an, a member or active at all with with Aries. So I'm kind of just out here in the middle trying to take it all in. Um, but, I, but I hear complaints of bureaucracy, and I know that you're going to have that anywhere and everywhere. Um, and, and I wonder uh, if it's more regional than uh than national because you know it sounds like to me you guys really have worked hard to work together with all invested parties where some people or groups who have may not have had to work together due to thankfully not having an emergency to live through haven't gotten to that point yet and they're just trying to uh, get everybody on the same page so is there a lot of bureaucracy that goes along with being a member of an aries group well, there can be because Aries is under under the umbrella of the ARRL, which is Amateur Radio Relay League, and they're actually the parent to Aries. Okay. Um, so, you know, when you when you have Aries, an Aries group, you can't get into a disaster zone without having some kind of identification. FEMA has set down the criteria for that identification. Got to have your, got to have fingerprints, got to have your signature, got to have a photograph. Mm-hmm. They issue you a card, a, a hard card, basically like a tag, mm-hmm. and you can show that and be directed to wherever the volunteer station is in there. What that does, and the reason they do this, is because when you go into an area, they don't know you, and and these people are are already traumatized. I've watched myself people sitting on piles of rubble with a gun in their hand to make sure they didn't get looted. Mm. Okay. Now I'm not saying they're gun happy. They're not. They're good people. They've just been traumatized and all they got is what's underneath them. Mm. 
So if you're going to be in there, you need to be able to identify yourself as a, someone to help, not someone to do harm to them. Plus, all that information, once it's in the system, you don't have to go through that much of a, of a, uh, a processing when you get there. You can go in, get, get just a short amount of paperwork done, and you're, you're able to go into the field and provide the communications as necessary. So, yeah, they, they want you to have some FEMA courses, and I can tell you right now, if I can pass those FEMA courses, anybody can. <laughs> but but uh, I did. I did take all those courses, and honestly, it got me to want to take more because there was more information on there. Wow. They actually are a good learning tool as well. So, And there's no cost to that, right? I mean, they're, no, they're required, no. but there's no cost. It's just your time, your internet time, in front of the computer. Time and gas. Oh, on, on the testing, yeah. It's just time and on the computer. Yeah. You, at the end, you take a test, and if you pass, it comes up on the screen, and you simply print off the certificate of passing. It's not hard. Excellent. Well, tell me a little bit about, uh, a little further about the actual group itself. Uh, you mentioned that it is a, uh, a subgroup of the ARRL, and uh, I know that it has a sister organization, RACES, uh, but we're talking about Aries here. Um, if if I wanted to join, is the best thing for me to do just to go to the ARRL website and, and find a local group, or how do I sniff that out? Well, you can go to the ARRL website, site, which is www.arrl.org, and you will have a homepage pull up, and if you look over to the top right, there's there's four blanks there. And if you read it, you can go to the category and load the category you're wanting to look at, whether it be ham fest, Aries, whatever you want to do. Or you can do a keyword search, and it'll pull up the Aries information there. Um, as far as, as looking for an Aries group to join, I would save some time and just do a blank uh, Internet search on Aries for my county and state okay and and if it doesn't have one because some of them don't you know it might come up with the closest one to you and you could go and listen and see what they're doing and see if that's of interest to you and you can certainly join another county's aries right that's not a problem if you don't have one you know i recommend you join the one in your county because it you know it helps stay close to home but if you don't have one there's others are there minimal requirements re- regarding your equipment or your, you already said if you can just sit at a desk, we'll put you at a desk. Do you have minimal requirements? Do we need to bring something with us or anticipate having at least a handy talkie or a mobile radio in our car or something like that? Well, that's where we're back to that question you asked before, which was, well, do you have to have these fingerprints? Do you have to do this stuff? Right. In doing that, they ask you and find out what your capabilities are. Okay. So they know right where to put you. So. Yeah, as far as basic equipment, you know, if you just have handhelds, then you just list handhelds. If you have uh, a mobile vehicle rig that ha- that's mounted in a in a vehicle, because a lot of people use them for base stations. I know I do. They work great. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you can you can let them know what you got. Now I will say this: the biggest problem that we had was when we said we needed mobile equipment. Mobile by our standards here, does not mean mounted in your car. 
because I can assure you that car is not going to go through that rubble. <laughs> so mobile is what you can carry with you. We had people with backpack HF rigs. We had people, and they were great. They were great. Fortunately, we didn't have to use the backpack HF, but like you said, uh, they got the newer kind of radio, so they had simplex, UHF, VHF, yeah. and repeater capabilities on it as well. But, you know, if you've got radios, you can be of help or something. If nothing else, if you know someone and you need to stay back at, say, the, the emergency operations center and take in calls or an outpost where they got a relay, you can you can let some you know sign them out to somebody and and get it of course you want to get it back when you're done but sign it out to them and and let them use it if you can't yeah we talked about that and that was uh that was a good part of the conversation back in episode one I want to remind you folks if you haven't listened and and it's been almost three years now Cecil as funny as that sounds um you know there's a lot of great shows in our back category back wow. catalog sorry. And uh, some of them are better than others. We were just getting our feet wet, just jumping into this pool. But uh, episode one is a really good learning show. It's a really great place to start, especially if you are interested in the emergency-type communications. We're going to continue this call with Cecil Higgins. His call is Alpha Chila. I don't know why that doesn't want to come out. It's Alpha Charlie Zero, Hotel Alpha. He is a section manager for the state of Missouri for the Aries group there, and we're going to uh, catch up some more with him right after this. I continue to see folks post pictures of their brand-new ICOM IC7300 online. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere you look, amateurs are still buying the number one hottest ICOM radio in America. It's the IC7300. You can find the best deal for anything ICOM at mtcradio.com. Our show sponsor's main trading company down in Paris, Texas, had the best prices online. Call them. MTCRadio.com for all of your ICOM needs. Remember, MTCRadio.com. And we're back with Cecil Higgins. He is a section manager, recently uh, appointed section manager for the state of Missouri, Aries Group there. Cecil, congratulations on the appointment. How in the world did that come about? <laughs> that would teach me to go to ham fest and do seminars for folks. That's what that, <laughs> how that came about. Uh, the gentleman who was the section manager for 18 years here in the state um, came up to me last November at a ham fest, and he said, "You know, uh, I, I've got a, I've got to end my term uh, before the before it actually ends. I've got, I'm going to have to resign, and I really want you to take over because you're 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 doing the same work I was doing, and and I'd like to see you continue what I was doing." And I looked at him, and I was absolutely floored because I this was a blindside thing. I had no idea this was coming. I was just doing what I could to get people prepared and do to meet new people and do the presentations and show them what they could do to take care of themselves kind of thing. And he, he said, you know, I don't know if you would get appointed, but he said, I'd like to recommend you to that. Is that a problem? And I, said, I told him, I said, well, Dale, his name was uh, – uh, I lost his last name short as soon as I said that uh, – Dale Bagley, uh, I said, Dale, you know, I'm blindsided by this. I said, I'm, I'm absolutely speechless that you would want me to do that. But I said, if you think I can do it, then you do what you think is best. Forgot totally about it. Totally. <laughs> and not, we didn't have another conversation. I mean, it just went out there and somewhere around the 13th or 18th of January, I get this ARRL message 
in the mail with this nice little certificate that says, congratulations, you're newly appointed section manager for the state of Missouri. So I'm like, what? I'd forgotten all about the conversation in November. Yeah. So it had a number to call. So I called, I called AWRA headquarters and I said, okay, I got this in the mail. And, and they were kind of confused because I guess there's usually more communication than what we had. But they said, okay, you know, Dell Bagley stepped down and he recommended you. And we went ahead and approved his recommendation because blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I said, oh, I do remember a conversation with Dale back in November. <laughs> so that, that's how I got appointed. And I had to go through the election process just le- recently. And I signed up and uh, a lot of the clubs and a lot of the, a lot of the Aries groups and the, the radio clubs and stuff, uh, they, they encouraged me to continue doing what I was doing. And I guess they encouraged others not to bother me because nobody else signed up for it. So I, I won by default. Wow. Uh, you know, and uh, there's there's a lot of great people. I've talked to so many people. I can't imagine. I can't remember their names. I'm better at faces, but they they are so grand and they they seem so eager to learn. And I feel rather strange to be quite honest when I go to help these folks and I know what I'm talking about, but I'm not used to being that guy. I'm used to being the guy on the ground. Mm. I'm not used to being the guy teaching the new guys. Okay. Uh, I turned 50 this year and, and to me, I still feel like I, you know, in my mind, of course I'm 20, but my body says, no, too many hamburgers, dude, you can't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's, that's the story. And, uh, that's how that, that's how that section manager thing come around. Well, congratulations. I know that, uh, you were the ham in charge during the Joplin disaster there at the, at the very getting off point, jumping off point, uh, the get go. And uh, that was quite a quite a bit of work to to kind of take in yourself as well. You guys rolled in there because you're not from Joplin, Missouri. Uh, you, you're from out away, and you the the group, the Aries statewide group. I guess you guys were act. The whole state was activated. Would that is that a correct assumption? Going back to that tragedy. Well, what we did, our district was activated, which is District D. It's in uh, strangely enough, it's the biggest district in Missouri. It has 18 counties involved. Um, I was the assistant district emergency coordinator. We did not have a district coordinator at the time. The section emergency coordinator, uh, was, which was Ken Barrymore, was actually acting as a DEC for that. So he asked me to go down there, take a look, see what needed to be done, seeing what the resources were. But, of course, once I got down there, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is not a good thing. We've got to pull in more resources. So I contacted him told him what we needed. He said, you need to stay there. You're in charge. Handle this issue and let me know what you need. So I came from actually from about four counties to the east into that area. Okay. When I, when I asked him for that help, at that point, he put out a statewide request for amateurs and equipment and everything else. So, yes, the state got involved. The whole state of Aries people got, got involved. However, it was there was a process there that got them involved. By the time we were done, we had hams from Colorado, California, Arkansas, Louisiana, New York, Maryland. Uh, that's just the name of very few of the states that I saw on licenses when they come and show me that they could do radio communications. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so they came from all over the United States, not just the state. 
very, very giving hobby. Cecil, I found since, you know, being involved in this podcast almost three years, uh, little did either of us know that we would be here again today together. Uh, and, and in that time I have, I have found that this is by far the most giving, uh, hobby I've ever been involved in ever. And I've been involved in a lot of different hobbies, but this one here talking about people coming from all over the country that see, that doesn't surprise me because of the, the feedback and the support we have from all over the country. It just, you know, that it kind of goes hand in hand. Hams are some of the most giving, most genuinely willing to help people I've met in my 42 years. Well, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time around a lot of hams. Uh, I've been a ham for going on 30 years now and it started out as a hobby, of course. And, my previous life, I was a, I'm a retired police officer, so you know I was playing around with radio just for boredom's sake, you know, a lot of that stuff in my younger years, and I never failed to have someone step up when I was concerned about something or had a question for something. They someone always stepped up and helped me with that question and helped me figure it out, and they taught me. And for ham radio. A lot of folks recognize the term. They elmered me up. They call them elmers. Yeah. E-L-M-E-R-S. And those guys were fantastic. And they simply did what I'm doing now, and that was pass on the knowledge that was passed to them and that they've learned. And just anything to help you out. These people are great and grand people. They really are. You know, you you mentioned a term uh, back just a few minutes ago, and it's one that – you can really polarize people when you start talking about this particular subject. I'm not trying to do that, but I, I do want to touch on it while we're having this conversation. I think it's relevant to our topic here. But you mentioned preparation, uh, and that doesn't mis- necessarily mean you're talking about people that are you know, uh, digging bunkers in their yards and, and buying beans and rice, but you're talking about being prepared for an emergency. And, and you know, I think this hobby really leans itself towards that uh, capacity. Is that is that a good assumption from your end as well, living and, and going through what you've gone through? You know, that, that describes it pretty well. It really does. I don't know what I could really add to that. Um, you know, people are good people, basically. I mean, we're like anybody else. We always have exceptions to the rules. However, I find just regular people are just that. They're just kind, given people. They mind their own business usually until their neighbors need help, at least in this area, and then they're they're good to go help. So, you know, you described it pretty well. You really did. <laughs> well, to me, it just makes sense. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great hobby that has so many facets that can be used to – further the betterment of our fellow man and i think that that amateur radio including groups uh, especially like aries who are out there training and studying and working towards that goal um i think it's it's a it's a very noble calling and and just appreciate what you guys are doing um i i know that um living through what the folks in your state lived through that day was, was quite a harsh reality uh, and can understand why people would be motivated to improve their standings now um share with us if you had some words of encouragement for somebody who's thinking about aries uh, or who, who's kind of on the on the fence maybe not sure or or maybe a group that's having a hard time getting their getting traction in their community what what are some of the ways that you could encourage them as they move forward here moving towards a, an aries group a response group well you know First off, 
explore your interests and, and go over and sit with a group and watch what they do. A lot of them will train on radio. Some of them will have speakers, you know, they'll come in, it, you know, it just varies from month to month what the training will be or what, what the, the meeting will look like, but go over, contact them, set through a meeting or two, see if it's what you want to do. If it is what you want to do, you are in no better place than that to ask what you can do and how you could help. So those people can guide you. You know, I know what I need here in the Midwest. However, the East Coast, West Coast is completely different. So they know what their limitations are. They know what their capabilities are. So they know what their needs are. And who better to have you give that information than from directly from them? One of the other things I would do is not don't worry about having the most expensive and and should I say popular radio out there. <laughs> uh, you know, get what you can afford, and you know, you know, save up or or whatever. You know, I have I have so many Bofons. I've got Yezu. You know, I, I've stocked up, and the Bofon radios, as bad as I hate to say it, <laughs> have actually done pretty well. So I really don't have any complaints about them. Right. Uh, and I've, I've used the thunder out of them and exercises and everything else. Uh, but as far, and I say, when I say I hate to say that, a lot of people just are embarrassed that they gave $35 for a radio and the thing outperformed some of the higher priced ones. So that's what I mean by that. Yeah. You know, but they do. They perform well. So, you know, pick up some of that stuff, get your equipment use from people who are who are around you if you can or at their recommendation and build your build yourself up slowly don't worry about jumping in and doing it all at once because that seems like when we get new hams that want to get involved theories they just want to you know they want to they want a vehicle that looks like a porcupine going down the road you know so uh antennas everywhere so don't do that don't do that take your time do what you can afford build your stuff it will come to you it will and then just go out there and do what you can do that's that's the best education I get you can get. Go out there and do what you can do. Take the FEMA courses, get your ID, get everything ready to go so when something does happen, you can just slide right into a spot they need you in. And, you know, that's one of the things that we, we pretty much know is going to happen. Something's going to happen. We don't know how, when, who, where, why, but, uh, you know, we've got uh, all sorts of exercises happen all around us that allow for us to be involved and, uh, you know, I want to encourage the listeners, if, if this is something you think that you'd be interested in, uh, give it a go. Of course, we'll have information uh, listed on the website about how to contact Aries through the ARRL and, and get connected there. Uh, you know, Cecil, we are always looking to help further people's education. Are there any good, uh, any good websites or YouTube channels, anything like that, that you ever spend time with that can help uh, someone trying to get into Aries and emergency radio preparations? Well, first off, as far as channels, there there's a ton of Aries information on YouTube. I, I can't really recommend a specific channel because there's just so much of it, and there's a lot of good stuff there. Right. Uh, you can certainly watch those videos, and that'll give you an idea. Uh, there's a lot of things you can research. You can go on qrz.com, take the test, practice test to get prepared for the testing session for your license. Uh, the the ARRL website has that as well. You can do it there. Uh, there, are just oh, wow. There's just so much information out there. You all you need to do is just, as they say these days, Google it. <laughs> and, you know, get on the internet and and search for it. 
And, uh, you know, I think you can, you can find something of interest and, and certainly things of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can find, well, even my after action report and, and my slideshow that I put together for presentations is on the Missouri Aries website. You go into training and you can go back. I forget how to get in there, but I mean, you can get into that area search. Well, you can put, you can put uh, Cecil Higgins, you put Cecil Higgins in Google and you'll find it. <laughs> that's, how uh, I found yeah, you. You, yeah. that's how I found you the first time. Uh, cause I had, I had read your report somewhere and it was so intriguing. I said, I've got to, if I'm going to do a show, I've got to have this guy on. Um, Cecil, let me, let me ask you this, a, a little different question here. Um, how has how has your state um, emotionally recovered since that terrible day? You know, the kindness is the biggest in influence I've seen. Uh, people are much willing, much more willing to to provide help or give or or to go, you know, build something or help somebody do something. I've seen the kindness in in this state just erupt from that uh, and, and amazingly enough look, we're looking at this what five years out and it's still going it's still going people are still helping people uh you know as far as the state there's certainly more weather aware that's certainly uh one of the issues right um uh, man they, they they just uh, they respond quickly i will say that too they respond quickly to an incident you know they want to help and they're then they're ready they're they're much more prepared now than they were then wow well, that's good. That's very good news to hear. Cecil, we appreciate you have coming on with us. Always uh, great to hear you and catch up with you. Thank you again for uh, being with us on episode one. want to encourage you listeners again, if you're new and we have a lot of new listeners going through our back catalog, if you haven't gone and spent all of those 80 plus hours with Kale, Jeremy and George, uh, go back and start at number one. It's a great show. It'll uh, definitely get you motivated to begin working towards building up your skills as an emergency operator. Uh, may not be what you come into the hobby looking for, but it may be a way that you can be utilized to uh, help your fellow man. Cecil, again, thank you. Uh, his call is Alpha Charlie Zero Hotel Alpha, and he is the section manager for the state of Missouri for the Aries up there. Uh, Cecil, any parting words that you'd like to share with our listeners here before you go? Oh, probably not too much. I'd just say, you know, if you're interested, dig into it. It's it's like any other hobby, and it certainly is a hobby. Uh, as long as we're not running, you know, to a fire, so to speak. <laughs> so absolutely, get into the hobby, see what you like, see what you don't like. You know, explore the world of it. And, uh, you know, if it's for you, we're glad to have you. And if it's not, you know, we don't want to force you into anything or have you do anything you're not comfortable with. So, yeah, and, and certainly, you know, pay attention to what's going on in your area. It, it does. It never hurts to know what's going on. Help your neighbor watch their place and help, you know, because you, you never know who's who's trying to get, go in a door. You never know who's, you know, you know, talk about the wildfires. We can talk about those. You never know where things are going or where it starts. You know, something always starts. That fire didn't just appear. It started somewhere. Yeah. You know, that hurricane damage didn't just appear. It, it came from a storm. So, you know. Pay attention to what's going on around you. See what you can do to prepare for it and, and help the people in your neighbor. Start out with your local neighborhood and get, and expand from there if you need to. So, you know, and most importantly, get on there and have fun with it. Get on there and enjoy the contacts half the world away. You get to talk to, to some really interesting people just as a hobby side of it. 
And if you're looking to get into Aries, you know, by all means, find an Aries group close to you. Go to those meetings. Find out what you think of it. Find out what they're teaching. Find out what they need, and see if it fits you. That that that's the best I can I can offer anybody. That's very well spoken. Very well said, Cecil Higgins. Thank you so much again for coming back on the show with us. It's been great catching up with you, and, and wish you all the best up there in Missouri. Well, thank you, sir. And like I said, I was astonished when you asked twice. So, <laughs> yeah. well, thanks for having me back on here. I, I I'm humbled by it. I truly am. Well, thanks again for being here. Just yesterday, my daughter and I spent some time boxing up some toboggans, some custom call sign hats and shirts, some patches, some stickers. We've got it all ready to go. And thank you very much, guys, for your purchases. They're on the way. And they look really nice. My, my daughter was like, wow, these call signs are, are really cool, Dad. I've never seen some of these. And they were. They, were, they weren't your typical K4 calls we see and hear around here in the Deep South all the time. It's pretty cool. So thank you very much for your purchases. If you're curious what I'm talking about, we have a swag store. I don't really have a better term for it, okay? But we have a store online where you can purchase stickers. We have Velcro-backed patches. We have regular patches that have the show logo. Uh, We do custom hats with the show logo and your call sign, polo shirts. The latest thing that we have in stock and ready to ship right now are our toboggans or beanies, you maybe call it. I'm not sure. Wherever you live and it's cold in the wintertime, you put that stocking hat on. Well, that's what it is with the Ham Radio 360 podcast logo. They look great. We've got them. We're ready to ship them, and you can find them online at hamradio360.com. After chatting with Cecil about Aries being on the ground, needing power, portable operations again, I said, you know what? This would be a prime opportunity to bring our friend John Jacobs in to share with the audience what he's doing with comms2go.com. And, and I don't know why you'll hear in the interview, I call it hams to go. <laughs> I don't know why that happened. It's comms to go.com comms to go.com. Now you can find the, uh, the logo on our website, ham radio 360.com. It's in the right hand sidebar. John has been a sponsor since about, uh, I don't know, maybe since, uh, uh, getting back from Dayton, I believe somewhere around in that time. Uh, I've got one of these boxes here. It is, man, it is so well built. And guys, if you're looking for a turnkey solution, for portable power, please make sure you check out comms2go.com. Let John know that we sent you over that way. And without further ado, I want to bring him in and let him uh, tell us a little bit about his products. John Jacobs, thank you very much for coming in to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. Hey, thanks, Kel. Great to be on the show. Well, we appreciate you uh, coming on with us. We also supre- appreciate your support of the uh, of the show and the website there, hamradio360.com. Uh, your business, hamstogo.com, is a is an official site sponsor there of the show. And uh, before we talk about your products, I want to talk a little bit about you because everybody likes to know everybody's business nowadays. Is is <laughs> been proven with Facebook and its outlandish popularity. Uh, tell us a little bit about John uh, and and how he got into amateur radio. Well, I'm a I'm a third generation ham. Uh, my grandfather, uh, W7DBO, where I got his call. Uh, he was a ham right after World War II, and then uh, my father, WA7ZBO, Larry. Um, was a ham also, and so I pretty much grew up in the in the ham life. My earliest memories of a child is is hanging out at field day or sitting inside a call supporting a marathon at 5 a.m. in the morning or um, sitting outside uh, ham club meetings. Uh, so I pretty much grew up in the in the uh, 
the life, I guess. And uh, I tried several times growing up, and I could just never get that Morse code down. Um, passed the written on novice many times, but never got the code. And so finally, when the no-code tech came around, uh, my dad handed me an ICOM radio and said, get your, get your license, and I did. <laughs> so that was uh, about 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I still have my no tech, my no code tech study guide uh, from Radio Shack. I posted a picture a while back of it on Twitter or something, but I, I never took the test for forever years. And um, I'm so excited to be here though, because it's been a great hobby. In addition to that, uh, getting to meet and know people like yourself and uh, be involved in this capacity has been a lot of fun. So, um, while you know, I didn't have anybody growing up as a ham. Uh, my CB was big when I was a kid. Uh, that shows my age. And um, that's kind of how I got the, the itch for, for radio, and it, it turned into an eventual amateur radio license. Um, now, you, you, your company, uh, you've, you've started a company called comms2go.com, and uh, I, I love the premise. I love the fact that what you make is nice and neat and clean. And for those of you that know me personally, you know that that's a really, a really big deal for me when you do an install or something to really make it look as good as you can. Not that anybody will ever see it. Well, I, I tore John's box apart just to see how clean and neat it was, and it was really super clean and neat. Uh, but, John, tell us a little bit about uh, why you decided to start a business and uh, tell us about the work you like to do with your products. Well, the last couple of years, I've, I've gotten into really mobile comms. Um, I was, I guess what you'd say, a, a dormant ham for for many of that 20 years, uh, I just didn't really get into the clubs. I didn't really know who to talk to on the repeaters. And so I was those, I was one of those non push to talk hams. Um, <laughs> I talked to my dad when we would go camping or driving, but so last couple of years I, I moved, uh, and in our new house and we, I started getting involved in the local areas program and, and emergency response in our, our community and, and found that, uh, supporting, races and events um, and some of the stuff we do here in Utah is is extreme backcountry events like the Bear 100 or the Squaw Peak where um, you're at an aid station and you are the only line of communication. Uh, there is no backup cell phone. There's no satellites phones. And so I got into the portable area and uh, through listening to a lot of, you know, uh, one of my original shows that I remember listening to when I really got into this was was the Time podcast. <laughs> Uh, with uh, I believe it was Jeremy talking about when you very first started talking about comm skits, and so I, I took what the knowledge I had and then built it on on people like that, and and kind of came up with an idea of of let's get the equipment out to people. Um, it, there's some people that like building their own boxes, and and that's a passion, that's a hobby of mine too, and it's a passion, and that's great. Um, and by along the way, I found local club friends that just kind of saw what I was doing and said, Hey, can you just make me one of those? Cause I don't have the tools and I don't have the time. Um, and, and, but I do want to have something nice. And so that's kind of how I got started. I, I, I kind of built the company on four premises. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I stole this from somewhere. So I'll give credit wherever it's due. But, uh, the first one is get on the air. Uh, the second goal is stay on the air. Uh, the third is be an effective communicator. And the fourth is have fun. And so, and that last one's important because if you're not having fun, then this is a terrible hobby to be in. Mm. Um, so, so with that premise, that's how I started building radio boxes, uh, power boxes, um, solar boxes, and just found a way to, to say, let's, let's get you on the air quickly. Let's help you stay on the air. And, uh, 
and through Be Effective Communicator, I have a, a off my side website. I offer a lot of tips and tricks and support, and so I kind of want to provide a whole solution to people where they can get the equipment, but they can also get some knowledge to to know how to use the equipment. I got you, and you know when when you look at these boxes you're making, um, they're they're a plastic ammo can. Uh, with what you need to get and stay on the air, which makes plenty of sense to me. And and like we've talked a lot about Aries and emergency responses, this is the kind of thing, if you're not that guy, like you said, you you meet people who love doing this. I'm one of the guys, I just, I don't spend the time doing it like I would like to, building that type of thing. Uh, But you're right, there's a lot of guys out there who are either too busy or they're too well-funded to do it themselves. And this is the absolute perfect answer to their questions uh, and I think it was maybe uh, three or four days that we had you on the website, and and I got an email from one of our listeners says, "Oh, thank you for telling me about them. I've already bought something from them, uh, which was really cool." <laughs> yeah, that was great. Everybody likes that kind of business, so uh, yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, need more of that. But tell us a little bit about uh, your boxes and what you use, and and why you chose what you did for your particular units. Uh, well, I, I went the rounds from uh, building the six or eight rack space, uh, you know, DJ box type stuff and Mm -hmm. got it built and then I couldn't lift it. Um, (laughs) And then I went to the multiple uh, DJ boxes, you know, three rack, four rack modular. I learned from what Jeremy had talked about, you know, separate separate power from radio, separate your concerns. uh, That way you can be more agile, more portable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went that route and I, I went from boxes to cases to uh, I just have have lot, like I said, this is kind of a passion of mine, and so I finally rounded out to this point where I've, I've settled on these these plastic boxes. And people always ask me why plastic, not metal, and I say, well, there's a lot of DC electrical components inside this box, and and plastic is a lot safer uh, if you happen to have a wire that comes disconnected inside. Uh, you're not shorting out your system via your box. Um, and, and it provides, it's a lighter weight system. Um, that's a big benefit. So you get the lightweight, um, and you get a, a reasonable sense of water effectiveness or proofing, uh, mostly out here in Utah, it's dust. Um, I want to be able to flip the lid on my cases and seal them up and, and transport them without, uh, seeing all the dust get inside of them, which, which happens with, with say rat cases or, or different things like that. Well, you know, I built a box years ago, and it's built in an MTM uh, Spud 7 box. It's got my Kenwood TS-50. It's got a single-band rig in it right now as well, along with a tuner and a power supply. And I weighed it the other day because I was just curious. Uh, It was 33 pounds. So I was like, wow, that's really heavy. No wonder I never want to take it anywhere. And and that's my portable answer. You know, that's all I have right now for portable radio. Uh, I said, well, I wonder what the battery, because, you know, I I take the batteries out of the box. I don't put the batteries in the same box. I'm just that guy. And I said, I wonder what this uh, this box with two 12-amp-hour, 12-volt batteries in it weighs. It weighed 22 pounds. I was really shocked that it weighed so much. But those are just regular AGM-type batteries. Um, I haven't weighed your box yet, but it has, that's a a 7.5-amp-hour battery. Is that correct? Uh, it's a 12. 12 amp hour. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's half of what I've got over there. Um, and it's it stays uh, with, with a charger right now. I'm, I'm not going to misuse this one like I did my first one I built and, and forgot to keep the charger going. I've used it a couple of times with my portable box. It works flawlessly. I took it up to the Shelby Hamfest and set it up there with my Bridgecom 220 rig. 
And I'm telling you, if I'd have had if I'd have had some, I could have sold them because people loved your design. They loved how clean and neat it was. Um, stuff is where it needs to be if you need to see it. If it's something you don't need to see, it's out of the way and protected. Um, tell, tell me something because uh, I'm curious. I know that that you, you have a young family, and uh, I can just see you working at the dinner table or on your bench or something building this. Do you have any help from your family at all putting these together, or is this just a one man kind of deal? Uh, it's a, I have many assistants, um, from the age of six to two years. Um, and so mostly the two-year-old runs off with the tool I need. Um, and the six-year-old, my son Keaton just loves, uh, he's, he's, he's going to be an engineer someday. He thinks, (laughs) so he loves helping me design, uh, you know, capabilities and, and thinking about this. And so the box you're talking about, the one that I sent out to you is that is the 12 amp hour portable power pack. And that one is the, the family favorite, Mm. um, that goes camping with us. And it also, I've yet to hook that one up to a radio, but it's been hooked up to many cell phones, many tablets, um, just the they, the family loves to be able to have power. We've set that in the back seat of the car when we need extra outlets and extra power when the keys are off. Um, so when you think about portable power, uh, it goes beyond um, ham radio into just your life and mm-hmm. camping or being at the fireworks or parade where uh, you need that just extra juice to, to keep all the family's devices running. Yeah, yeah. And nowadays... Good gracious, can we go anywhere without a device that doesn't need to be powered? I go to restaurants now, and I see people asking, when they go to the lady at the front, the hostess, they ask her, can you set me somewhere close to a receptacle? Yes. And they go to their table, and the guy and the girl get their cords out and plug them in and sit there and text somebody across the table. And I'm thinking, wow, my wife would have not stood for that. <laughs> I would still be a single man if I was a young man in today's society, because my girl wanted my attention. She, she still does 17 years. She still expects my undivided attention when we're at the table together. So, <laughs> but yeah, you see it at the, at the, at the airports, people are, have no shame. They will sit on any floor Oh yes, uh, nasty. To, to get two feet away from that electrical outlet. Yeah. Yeah. But, but your, your boxes are a great answer for that. Uh, I want to come back in just a second and I want you to kind of go through your product line with us uh, because some people may be scratching their head. Maybe they haven't visited your site. It's real easy to get to. Of course, it's in the right hand sidebar on hamradio360.com. It's, it's very simple, comstogo.com. Uh, we're going to come right back here with John. We're going to talk about his product line. It's some exciting stuff, guys, especially if you're looking to kind of spread your wings and get outside with your radios. This is a turnkey solution that uh, will save you all kind of time and headache. To you, you just may not be that guy, and this is your simple answer. We'll be right back with John here on the Ham Radio 360 podcast. I'm Kevin Kilo Whiskey Zero Kilo Whiskey in St. Louis, Missouri. This is Ham Radio 360. All right, so we're back on the Ham Radio 360 podcast with John Jacobs. He is from uh, way out west. Where did you say it was? Is Idaho? Uh, Lehigh, Utah. Utah. So we're in the Wasatch front of, of Salt Lake City, the, the metropolitan area. Way out there. A long way from yes. South Carolina. And uh, he has a company, and I said it wrong a while ago. If I haven't corrected it in post-production, I'm going to say it correctly now. It's comstogo.com. And, John, before we go any further, give us the web address. So if we're just listening, we can plug that in our phone right now and go check it out. So it's comms, C-O-M-M-S, T-O, go.com. So comms2go. Comms2go.com. And you've got an entire line of products that are built around portable power. And let's just start up at the top. 
about and, and talk about your battery boxes and kind of work our way through your, your product line there. Okay, so the simplest thing we have is is a portal power bag, and that's simply a seven amp hour battery uh, with a with a custom made dongle that'll give you a twelve volt cigarette lighter, double fuse, some power pole. Um, that's that's the simplest thing. That's that's actually what I keep in the ATV uh, when I'm just carrying a small mobile radio, um, and that's that's a simple simple thing the next step up is is kind of the one we really enjoy is the the 12 amp hour portable power pack uh, you get it inside a plastic case you get uh, two anderson power pole two usb a power meter uh, a um, 12 volt cigarette and uh, a double fused power switch um, and then from there you go up to a, a 30 amp hour um, portable power pack Actually, it's a 40 amp hour portal power pack, so it's two 20s tied together, and that's that's what we call the beast. Um, that's a little heavier, but it, it gives you that high amperage you need for for HF operations. Um, and of course, you step up capability. You get two 12 volt cigarette lighters, you get four USBs, and uh, eight Anderson power poles. Um, and then we tried to tried to solve a, a problem that I was approached with. Uh, I want to use my my power box in the home, but I also want to use it on the go. And so we took a 12 amp hour battery plus a portable power supply, 30 amp power supply, and put it in a box with a with a two way switch. And so uh, at one point you're on battery power or AC power, um, and then you you just flip the switch. Say the power goes out, uh, you flip the switch, or you now want to go portable with your mobile radio, take it out of your home. Uh, you just package up the box and, and walk out the door and you're, you're on your way. Um, and the biggest thing we do with, with all of our battery packs is we, we ship with a, a, a light duty trickle charger. So everybody can keep their batteries healthy and charged. We want to make sure that everybody has a complete solution. So you're not having to go look for something uh, to buy as an accessory for it. Um, so you can charge all of our batteries come with chargers. And that's something that's really important because if you don't charge them, and they're the this type of battery, then don't don't expect them to work a year from now. Yeah, so like the the battery you have, it's probably sitting on the trickle charger. Yep, um, and it's it's ready to go when when you need it, and that's kind of that's a a good rule with uh, MCOM operations. Yeah, well, yeah, we got to be ready. You never know when when the uh, when the tornadoes. Well, you'll know when the tornado's <laughs> coming, but you want to be ready when it gets here. So you've got battery boxes. You've also done some solar stuff as well. Is that correct? Yeah. So so when we we look back to our four four goals, and we're we're on the air, and now we want to stay on the air. And 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 radios are hungry. They're bad. They're they're power hungry. They need to be fed. So we always say the minute you turn on your radio, you need to start addressing recharging that battery. You don't want to wait until your batteries are low, and then start looking for alternative source of power. Uh, so we came up with two simple boxes, a 50-watt and a 100-watt, uh, that gives you a, a flexible panel uh, that's light enough you can you can throw in the back of your truck or throw in the back of your car um, and give you a solar charge controller and then ability to, as soon as you get on scene or as soon as you get out to your special event and you're supporting a station, uh, you put that panel out quickly and uh, you start getting that battery battery charged. Excellent, excellent. Now you you also have uh, created what I think is really cool, and and you've integrated uh, some Raspberry Pis and touch screens into some of your boxes. Yeah, so this is kind of a becoming a passion of mine is uh, getting into the Raspberry Pi area, the digital modes, and so I wanted to actually come up with an idea where the thought came from when we're. Uh, 
we're up camping with our family and we have several ATVs and the thought came to me, you know, if I could put a, an APERS, an APRS box uh, in the ATVs and then somehow at camp we could monitor on a map and see where the ATVs are and uh, know where they're moving around the mountain. Uh, then I started thinking, well, I don't want to haul out a computer or a laptop and, and, and try and set that up at camp. So I kind of came up with this idea where the Raspberry Pi uh, put inside a box called the Raspberry Pi to go. And then it comes in a, a couple different flavors. It comes in just the regular Raspberry Pi that you can use for, say, mesh nodes um, and digital work like that. Or it comes with a TNC Pi hat uh, that now you can take that and plug it into a radio and you can uh, do all sorts of digital modes on that. And then uh, uh, after one of the Ham Radio 360 podcasts on, this, on the RTL SDR dongle, um, I was able to put that in a box and say, let's just do this as a receive only. Maybe it's a APRS iGate or it's a spectrum analyzer or something like that. So, so those have been kind of the fun, fun new areas that when I, when I take it around to different shows and people look at it, they, they kind of nod their heads like, now this is, this is how you use Raspberry Pi. <laughs> you know, and the coolest <laughs> thing about it is they're protected. Uh, they're, they're charged, they're ready to go. And, and the hard work is done when, when I got the box from you, I took the battery from, from one shipping container, your box, and plugged it in, and that's all I had to do. And that, that Well, I pulled the two-sided tape off the switch. Okay. <laughs> it's it the easiest thing. So yeah, yeah. It was one of the easiest things I've done in the ham radio uh, so far, and, and I, think it's, I think it rocks. I, mean, I think you guys have stumbled onto something really good. You know, it's like somebody said before, it, it may not be uh, groundbreaking in the fact that nobody's ever done this before. But the point and the the form factors that you've put into this this box's creation, uh, it it may have already been done before, but it hasn't been done like this. And it's very neat, very clean, very well done. And I just want to commend you, man, because that's you know that's important to me. And if you're going to spend your money, you might as well spend it to the best that you can and get the best that you can. And why not buy something that's very well built and and built with someone that has a passion to do what he's doing. I, I just got to give you props, man. Some good looking stuff. Well, I appreciate that, Kel. It, uh, there's, I have many boxes with many holes in it. I have a whole uh, box full of things that didn't work. Uh, so there's there's been a lot of fun research and development, and and I get Amazon packages and and eBay packages and whatever comes in all the time, and I'm always trying to build and invent, and and my wife looks at it, and I'm like, it's the business, honey, it's uh, research and development. <laughs> <laughs> now now she's so. kind of started a side business off of this, is that correct? Can we talk about that? Oh yeah yeah, okay. so she started uh, your call sign here. It kind of came from a, we had a local ham fest, and she's got a vinyl cutter, and she thought, well, why don't we just start cutting uh, call signs uh, to either put on the box or put on the back of your car? And and so once again, this isn't anything new, but it, it's it's something that wasn't being done in our area, and so we kind of did it for a local ham fest, and and she just kind of does that on the side. And so if people want uh, the vinyl call sign, say it's you know you, uh, that and your the frequency your monitor on the back of your car, or or maybe it's a you and your wife have call signs and you want to put your call signs above your headboards or something. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's a fun one. It's just, it's a, uh, your call sign Uh, it's a fun little website, really simple. You just kind of click and put in your call sign and, and a couple bucks later and free shipping and you get your, your call sign ready to, to apply. You know what the the best part about this is is that I'm in business with my wife and we've been we've had our own business since about 2000 2001 
it's it's been probably some of the most trying experiences of our life, and it's also been some very big wins that we've had. Uh, the failures have been equal, but still the wins always feel better. Uh, but it's really cool to see a guy and his wife working together, and it's even cooler to see them working in a hobby that you enjoy, which is ham radio for me. So I really dig the fact that we've got a ham and his family building this stuff for us to consume. And, guys, I just want to encourage you to visit ham. I, I, I almost said it wrong again. Yeah, it was there. Yeah, I'm, it I'm was. It was. Name right now. You get it right now. It's the new, it's the yeah. new amateur radio dating site, hamstogo.com. <laughs> uh, Comms2go, C-O-M-M-S-T-O-G-O.com. Comms2go.com. Of course, they're on the right-hand sidebar of our site and have been, and we thank you for that support, as well as we'll have it in the show note links here. So don't forget, it's Comms2go. And I've never even said Hams2go. I don't know where that's come from. (laughs) Man, it's just one of those days, I guess. Anyway, it's Comms2go.com. If you're looking for a tremendously well-built, well-designed, very thought-out, uh, portable power solution, you got to check out comstogo.com. John, man, thank you again. He's a third-generation ham, guys. He's got to get some props for that, too. He's, he's rocking his granddaddy's call. His call is Whiskey 7 Delta Bravo Oscar. Listen for him on the air from up there and uh, in and around Salt Lake City. But we really appreciate you coming on, John. Thanks for being here, man. Hey, appreciate it, Kel. Absolutely, and thank you again for your support of the show and for listening. It's nice to hear that we've uh, not only been able to help you uh, get some ideas uh, uh, and start a business through the podcast here, but help spend some of your money, so that's cool. Yes, thank you. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll chat with you again as, uh, as the year progresses. Thanks again, John, for coming on. Thank you. Well, that's going to wrap it for me this time. Thank you very much for, again, stopping by, spending time, supporting the show, being a part of what we're doing here with the program, the workbench, what we've got going on online, spreading the word about your favorite ham radio podcast, hamradio360.com. Again, a big thank you to Maine Trading Company, John Jacob from Comms2Go. We've got Cecil Higgins been in here, Alpha Charlie Zero Hotel Alpha from the Aries Group out of Missouri. It's been a great show. I hope you guys have learned something. If you've got questions, if you've got ideas, remember we're all over social, so you can just drop in there and and well, let's make it easy for you. Go to hamradio360.com. The social links are at the top. All of our content creators are listed there as well. Some of the best and brightest are listed along with George, Jeremy, myself. We've got a lot of great content on the site. want to invite you over. Don't forget to sign up for the email listing, the subscription there, bottom of the right-hand side of the page. We're going to be doing a giveaway with Main Trading Company really soon. and want, want you to be involved, and the way to get involved with that is to sign up with your email on the site. Guys, I'm going to run out of here. We'll be back next week with the Workbench Show. Again, thank you very much for your time. God bless you, and we'll see you after the election. 73, y'all. Thank you for listening to Ham Radio 360, brought to you by mtcradio.com. For more information about the program, visit hamradio360.com. Till next time, 73s, y'all.